And, uh, and so Paul's given Timothy basically like some pointers on how to be a good Christian. And he's talking to him specifically about how to be a pastor. Tim, Timmy, well, Timmy was a young guy, but he was a pastor. So one of the things that can be really intimidating is if, if you're a young person and you're trying to live your life uh, the way that you think the Lord wants you to live your life, you're trying to be a, a, a solid Christian, you're trying to grow in your faith and, um, and, and mature in your faith, a lot of times older people kind of, kind of discount or discredit, well, she's just a kid, she's just a kid, they're just kind of excited, you know, but it's because they went to that youth retreat or because uh, they played that music in youth group on Wednesday night or whatever, you know, and so a lot of times people don't, don't take your faith serious when you're young, and so Paul, at one point, he told Timothy, he said, don't let people treat you like that, don't let people despise your youth, in fact, use your youth for God's glory to be a godly young man or a godly young woman who really makes an impact not just on, we've talked a lot about that circle of your friends at school, but then your family and even your church. Can you imagine how awesome it would be if your church was literally changed for the good because of the influence and the impact that, that the students in that church had on, on the adults? It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? We've seen that happen. That's happened many times through the years we've seen that happen. And so I want to show you what it was that Paul said to Timothy was the most effective way to do that. So the most effective way, so we've looked at practically, how do you go share your faith with your friends? How do you go help them know about Jesus? How do you fit into the culture? Paul showed us that when he was at that place called Mars Hill or uh, the Areopagus. But now as Christians, for those of you who are Christians, how can you at church and in your home and, and as you go back and settle in, how can you really make an impact um, from, from within, how do you then go do this? And the, the centerpiece to this is that if you're a Christian, you have to love and hold fast to the Word of God, the Word of God. It has to be more than just you know, something that you open up on Sunday for the pastor or, the, or your student pastor or your Sunday school teacher, small group leader to teach you. This has to be something that matters to you. It really matters to you. You're memorizing it, you're reading it, and you don't have to be fancy in the way you study it. You just but to love the Word of God is the most important thing as a young person that you can do. And it, here's the awesome thing about it. It's the most important thing as a young person you can do. And when you're my age, it'll still be the most important thing you can do. Years and years, a long, long, long time down the road, it'll still be the most important thing in your life. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to read two verses. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to just walk through these two verses and, and let the Scripture help us understand about the Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So let's just walk through this passage, okay? The first word is all. So all is a very, uh, is a very inclusive word. If I said all of us are sitting in the building right now, well, we know that that means that we're all in the building. Or if I said because we're not all sitting. If, if I said, all of us are in the building, okay? So whether you're standing, sitting, walking, going to the restroom, going downstairs to get a drink of water, if you're in the building, I would say all of us are in the building. Okay, now, if, if one of us got up and walked outside, I can no longer say all of us are in the building because all but one of us are in the building. 
That's easy to understand, right? You guys get, you understand the meaning of the word all. So he's saying that all scripture is, is included in this. That means if you go to Genesis, every word, every verse, Psalms, every word, every verse, Malachi, every word, every verse, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Ephesians, Revelation, every word of every verse is, would be included in the word all. Everybody with me? Agreed? That's easy. And he says all scripture. So he's talking about the word of God, the Bible. All scripture is, and he's going to describe it. And he says it's breathed out by God. Here's what it means. It means that the words of scripture literally come from God. Okay? Now, this is important in understanding exactly. Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you need to get real detailed in the wording because it helps you understand it a little more clearly. So we know that men wrote the Bible, right? So there were men who were authors of the Bible. So Matthew and Mark and Paul wrote a lot of it. And David wrote the Psalms. And Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, so, so when, when we think about men writing the Scripture, we could say that those guys are the authors of the Bible. But let's use a lowercase a, okay, not a capital A. So they're the authors, lowercase a. Everybody with me? Okay. Now, but we would say God wrote the Bible. Is that also true? Yes. Okay. God wrote the Bible, and that would be a capital A. Everybody still follows? So, so it's kind of like there's two authors, God and man. Okay, God wrote the Bible and men wrote the Bible. Now, the men wrote the Bible under the leading of the Lord. And so what we would call this is, listen, this is a big, big kind of concept for you. Dual authorship. The, the dual authorship of the Bible means that God wrote it and men wrote it. But what happened is God used men to write it. God used men to write it. So in a, in, a, in, a, in a poor illustration that doesn't, that kind of falls short, it would kind of be like if an architect uh, or a general contractor who's a builder drew out this amazing plan for a building and then he instructed his builders to build it, you could say the builders built the building, but you could also say that the architect built the building. With me? So, so who built it? Well, they both did, okay? So so when we're talking about the authorship of Scripture, God wrote it, but the men that he used, they, they were faithful and obedient. They wrote down what God told them to write down. Now, what you'll hear people talk about is that the men who wrote the Scripture were inspired, and we could say that they were inspired, you know, they were inspired to do this. But what Paul is saying to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 is that the words, okay, so the words in your Bible, all of these words, the way that they're arranged, those words are what were actually inspired, okay? So the word breathed out means they were inspired. Have you ever heard people say that the word of God was inspired? Have you ever heard that? It means that, that it's, it comes from God. God is the source of all this. So, when, so here's what that means. When we open the scripture up, we're reading something that God has given us. Well, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. That's pretty important. We're reading something that God's given us, okay? God gave us this, and so it's like God is speaking to us. It's literally like when you sit down and open the Scripture and you begin to study it, it's, it's, it would be kind of like if you were sitting down and listening to a sermon that God was teaching or preaching to you or a lesson that God was teaching to you, okay? So that's where the Bible comes from, all right? So he's telling Timothy, hey, just so you know, Scripture comes from God. All of it, okay? The, the Scripture comes from God, and it's like God has literally breathed it out. All right, now, so if this is true, and we believe that it is, then he's going to give us 
kind of the, the, the repercussions of that or the results. So if that's true, then here's what that means, okay? And the first thing is he says it's profitable for teaching, okay? So the Scripture can teach you. So when we open the Word of God, we can learn from it. We could, we could all, if we're Christians, we can all say that at some point in our lives we learned something from the Bible. God taught us from the Bible. Then he says it's uh, profitable for reproof, okay? The word profitable, another word for, for that would be useful, and your Bible may even say useful. So it's useful for teaching. It's useful for reproof. Okay, and what that means is, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, someone say, man, the Lord really convicted me over this sin. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. But, but someone maybe watched a bad movie or said a bad word. And then they felt, if, if, we've all experienced this, where you do something, and then in your heart, in your heart, you don't feel okay about it. Have you ever done that? Maybe you said something ugly about somebody. You gossiped. You you said something about somebody you shouldn't have said, or you disobeyed, you're disobedient, and then in your heart, your conscience speaks against you. Have you ever had that happen? You're like, man, that is wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, that's reproof. That's reproof. So that's that word. And I don't know what, some of you may have different translations of the Bible. You may say, use different word there. But in mine, it says it's useful for teaching and for reproof, which means when we study the Bible, when we read the Bible, then it will convict us of things in our lives that need to be not in our lives. Okay? Third thing, for correction. It'll then, so the Bible will then give us what we need to know, how to correct and live our lives. And that doesn't mean, I want to explain just real quick something about this. It doesn't mean you're going to look at the Bible and it's going to say, do this and this and this and this and this. I mean, there's some places where there's rules like that, like don't murder, but that's pretty obvious to all of us, right? The Bible may not tell you, it may not be that you're, you're trying to work through a situation with some of your friends and so you take your bible and you're like i just don't know what to do man she's talking about her and she stole her man and and it's like teenage drama and i don't know what to do god show me the rules here for being a 16 year old oh you may not do that okay but if you're just studying the bible and reading it then there's wisdom that's going to come from the scripture that's going to help you make corrections in your day-to-day -day life okay then the last one is for training in righteousness. It's just going to help you when, you when you study the Bible, you read the Bible, and the Bible's part of your life. It's going to strengthen you as a, as a righteous person who reflects Jesus better. Okay, so you're going to look more like Christ. You're going to act more like Christ. Now, I want to give you five implications of this, of this passage. An implication is, uh, would be a result. As a result of what we just read, here are five things that I want you to know about the Bible. That What I'm praying is that these five things will help you when you go home will help you be better uh, examples of Christ in your school and in your church and in your community. You'll be, you'll be a better reflection of Christ by approaching the Scripture with an understanding of these five things, okay? The first one is this. We've already talked about it a little bit, that the words of Scripture literally come from God. They come from God. They don't come from the men. So we talk about capital A author, small a author, but that really the words are coming from the capital A author, and that's God. So the scripture, the words of scripture come from God. Okay, so when your preacher, your pastor stand up there and he's teaching, your student pastor's teaching and giving a lesson, and he's reading the scripture, what he's doing is he's, he's giving you what the Lord has given him to give you. So you could say, well, that comes from him, but it also comes from the Lord. Okay, and scripture, even more so, comes directly from God to us, Okay. And so the Bible is like God is preaching to us. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. It says, so the Holy Spirit says, and then it gives a Bible verse. That is 
a verse that was written like 500 years. Let me just read this. 500 years before this. So Hebrews 3, 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And he quotes something that was written 500 years before. Okay? Now, here's the way the Word of God works. The Word of God, when you're reading it, it's like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right then, is reading it in the present tense. Now, this is not the same as, let's say that, uh, that I was telling you a story. And I was telling you a story about riding the three-man swing, okay? Now, there's two ways I could tell that story. I could tell it past tense, or I could tell it present tense. So I could say, man, we went to Snowbird, and we got on the three-man swing, and it was crazy, man. We was riding, and Amanda, she pooped her pants, and then this one kid puked, and there was mess everywhere because it was crazy. The swing was so high, and people were, it was crazy, man. People were like, ah, you messed your pants. It was so funny. Okay, and everything I'm saying, I'm saying in past tense. This happened. She did this, we did that, he did that. With me? With me? Okay. Now, I could also say, man, we were at, we were at Snowbird, and, and so we walk up, and we get on the three-man swing, and we're, we're, we're going up, and, and, and we, we get right up there, and, we, and I just reached up, and I pull that string right then, and down, okay, now I'm talking in present tense. You see that? But I'm referring to something that was in past tense. Everybody with me? Does that make pretty good sense? We all do that. Man, we're coming through town today, and right as I pull up to the stoplight, this guy pulls up beside me. No, no, he pulled up beside me. But in the, in the way I'm telling the story, what am I doing? I'm trying to bring the person into the story in the here and the now. Does that make sense to you guys? Follow that? Okay. So, so when the Scripture is speaking, it's, it's, liter- it's, it's bigger than that, though. What it's doing is it says in Hebrews 3, 7, when it says the Holy Spirit says... When you open the scripture and you read it, God is bringing you into his here and his now. And he's speaking to you in the here and the now. He's not saying, well, I wrote this to the Hebrews 2,000 years ago, and you can learn from it. He's saying right here, right now, this matters to you. Everybody with me? So when you open the scripture and you read it, God's speaking to you right here, right now. Okay? Number two, second implication. So, So the first one is that literally this is God speaking to us. These are the words from God. Number two. Uh, is that I don't, I don't have the authority to tamper with God's word. So I can't open God's word and say, uh, to me, this means such and such. Okay? I have to open God's word and say, what does God intend for this to mean? And then I, and then, and then I respond to it. Okay, so another way to say that is this. I am not to tamper with God's word. The word of God is not being judged by me, but I'm being judged by the word of God. The Word of God is not being judged by the reader, but the reader is being judged by the Word of God. So when I open the Scripture and I read it, God's Word is speaking to me, but it's also judging me, holding me responsible for what what I'm learning and what I'm hearing. I don't read the Word of God and then say, well, here's what I think it means, and then I judge it and I I kind of decipher it and interpret it and then tell people, here's my opinion. Well, that's what you see happen in our day and age, okay? Now, if, if you pay attention, like in the news or at what's going on in Hollywood, people will, you know, like one, one good example will be the whole marriage issue in your generation right now. People are like completely trying to redefine marriage. And what they're doing and doing that is they're saying, well, I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to make it mean what I want it to mean, okay? Well, God speaks and then we just submit and respond to that. Okay, we're being judged by the Word of God. We don't get to redefine things. We don't get to redefine the meaning of anything in Scripture. Okay? So, as a result of that, what I need to do when I read the Bible is obey it. Obey it. 
Obedience. God always calls us to obedience. He expects us to obey. He doesn't just give us scripture and then say, do what you want to with it. He expects us to be obedient to it. All right, number three goes uh, uh, something that I think is important in, in all four of those things we saw in verse 16 are described by useful or profitable. So it says it's profitable or useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. When it says the Word of God is profitable, what it means is it's understandable. Another way to look at that is that it's understandable. So a lot of times young people will say things like, I just don't, I don't understand the Bible. Like when I try to read it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, it, it seems hard to understand. Well, I can, here's the thing. If you will be faithful and obedient to read God's Word, and talk to, your, talk to your leaders, and they'll show you portions of Scripture that, that will be a little easier to, to dig into. You know, one of the things that I love to read, my morning reading time is almost always narratives. I'll explain what that is. A narrative is when a story's being told. Okay, so the three little pigs is a narrative or a historical story. You know, something that really happened. Like if you study battle stories from World War II, those are narratives, okay? Now, there's other parts of Scripture that aren't narratives. They're teaching us Bible doctrine or right thinking concerning God and Scripture. All right, now, when we, so a narrative would be the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus. That would be a narrative. What's another, somebody give me an example of a narrative, not a leader, a student. Example of a narrative in Scripture, like your favorite story. Yell it out. Nobody will know that it's you yelling it. Coat of many colors. Joseph, the uh, guy that his dad made him this coat. It's a really cool story at the, in, in the book of Genesis. So it tells a story. Okay, so a narrative tells a story. So one of the things I encourage you guys to do as you're learning how to read the Bible, read narratives because stories are a little easier to read. And then you'll find that real quick, you'll start hungering for God's word and wanting to read more. Okay, so it's understandable. Now, when people tell me that the Word of God is not understandable, I tell them this one particular story that proves that it is very understandable. Um, when there, there's this lady that lives in Goa in southern India. Goa is, if you ever watch the Jason Bourne movies, Bourne Identity, Bourne Supremacy, yeah, those movies are awesome, okay? In the second movie, he's living in this little place in southern India called Goa, okay? So I had heard about, we were, gonna, we were traveling to India, and this... Uh, one of the gals here at Snowbird that had served as a missionary over there said, do you think you could go to Goa and find this lady? She doesn't have, I don't have contact info for her. She doesn't have an address, but I, I can tell you kind of how to get there. And when you get there, could you take her some Bible sticks? Now, a Bible stick is this little, it's like a programmed, almost like an MP3 player, but it's just, you hit play and it reads the Bible to you. That's it. And it's great for people that cannot read. Okay. So it's like an audio Bible. <laughs> And so she said, she said, man, this lady's awesome. She came to faith in Jesus. She grew up in a Hindu family, which Hindu is, a, is a, an Eastern religion. It's a, a real prominent Indian religion in India and Bangladesh, places like that, a lot of Hindus. And, but they're lost, man. They're, they don't know Jesus, so they're going to hell, and so they need to hear the gospel. And so she said, this lady came to know Jesus. She, she was growing up Hindu, and someone just shared the gospel with her. Well, this lady speaks five languages, but she, she can't read anything. She never had any, any education. So she cannot read, but she speaks five languages. And you'll see this a lot of parts of the world you go. Like, like Juju, my five-year-old 
um, little girl, the one we adopted from Uganda, English is her third language that she's learned in five years. Okay, and that's real common in different places that you go. So this girl says, can you go find this lady? And she has two little boys. They're like seven and, and eight. And um, she works really hard. She's a shopkeeper. And, and it turns out that she makes amazing stuff. My daughters have decorated their rooms with this stuff. She takes um, fabric and makes these really cool tapestries and she makes like curtains and things like that and so I've got so I'm I'm, uh, I'm writing down like uh, directions to go find this lady okay so we literally and it takes us uh, almost two days a day and a half to get to where she's at from where we were leaving from so we like we I mean we're riding like on the backs of motorcycles and the backs of pickup trucks on a you know on a river ferry um, which is not a little elf with wings it's a boat okay for some of you for some of you, you actually need that disclaimer or, or that explanation okay so um and then we caught a flight we flew down to goa we and literally my instructions on this piece of paper are like um go to uh find this cabbie this cab driver named i forget the guy's name it was like you know and then when you find him um and it is a description find this guy and then catch a cab to tell him that you need him to take you to such and such street on the corner. Then we get on that corner, walk one block south through this one alley behind the market, and then there's a bus that you can catch there that will take you to Vasco City. When you get to Vasco City, get off at the last bus stop in Vasco City, walk straight directly west, and that will take you down to the ocean. When you get to the beach, walk north on the beach, and about, I mean, this is like, and it's like, you'll see this one little tiki hut, tavern, bar thing on the beach. A little bit further, you'll see a lot of, literally, you'll see a bunch of European vacationers hanging out on the beach. You'll, you'll know because the men will be wearing Speedos. And it's like, this is, the, this is my instructions. And I was like, okay, there's the highlight. I want to see middle-aged European men in Speedos. That's going to be awesome. And so, so we get to, uh, we find this gal, man. We found, we found this lady after a day and a half. We, we get there, we find her. She didn't know we're coming. We walk in said, here's why we're here. We've come to bring you the word of God. She just starts weeping and crying, and she was just crying like crazy. It had been two years since our friend had been there and told her, I will send you the scriptures. I will find a way to get you the scriptures. It had been maybe a year and a half, a year and a half. And so, uh, I, so we get to talking, and she said, I would like to show you my Bible. And I said, I'd love to see your Bible. So she pulls out a stack of construction paper, and what she had done is all the travelers that would come through that little oceanside village, she would ask them, do you know any stories from the Christian Bible? And they would say, yes, we know, I know a story. I know a story. I know the story of this guy. He had a coat of many colors. And they'd tell the story. She would take construction paper and, the, and, and she would take like uh, colored pencils from her, her sons who she was paying to put through school. And she would write, draw out the picture of the story. Just draw a picture of the story. Some of you are artistic, and you're like, yeah, that would be cool. So that's another way you can study the Bible is you can read the stories, draw out a picture, okay? Just draw the picture, and then that would be the, that Bible story. And the next traveler that came through, hey, do you know any stories about uh, Jesus Christ? Well, yeah, you know, one time he turned, uh, he took some fish and some bread, and he fed a bunch of people and tell the story. She's like, oh, okay, tell me the story. And she sits down, and she, she colors it out, draws it out. So she's got this stack of about 25 or 30 Bible stories that after she became a Christian, people told her. And the way that she would study the Bible is she would take 
this stack of construction paper and she would look at that picture and she would in her mind play that story out. And that's how she was reading the Bible. That's how she was reading the Bible. I gave her, we gave her, my, my wife gave her these uh, Bible sticks. And she cried and she cried and she cried. And we stayed for a, about a day and a half. We stayed overnight and just hung out there. And I uh, actually stayed two nights, I think, and left early the second morning. And she, um, she stayed up all night. She listened for like 12 hours straight. She listened to the whole New Testament. She's just starving for the Scripture. Don't ever let anybody tell you that the Word of God is not able to be understood because you're young. Because here's a woman who could not read and had never even seen a Bible. And she's figuring out a way to study God's Word. So you need to be diligent to study the Word of God. And what I saw in her is that through her faithfulness to do that, God had given her a hunger for His Word so that she desired it more. So that when we gave it to her, she was overwhelmed with joy and thanksgiving. The fourth thing, the fourth thing is in looking at the usefulness of Scripture that we saw in the text, when it says it's useful, um, I want you to understand that what that means is that the Scripture will give you what you need for your life. The Word of God will give you what you need. You know, a lot of kids, I talk to a lot of kids who say, man, it's hard being a kid. I just don't have answers to life's problems. I don't know what to do here or there. And I'm telling you that the Word of God will give you what you need. If you'll be faithful to study God's Word, it'll give you what you need. But it'll give you what you need when you need it. When you need it. Maybe today you read it and you're kind of like groggy, you're sleepy, it's early in the morning, it's late at night. Try to read your Bible um, when you get up before you head off to school. And then also try to end your day with some scripture reading. You read and you're like, man, I'm having a hard time really focusing. And if you're like me, I can read through a whole page of scripture or a book and go, I'd have no idea what I just read. Like I read it, my eyes go down the page. You, know, you, all ever, you ever do that? And you're like, but I don't remember anything. Like I daydreamed through that whole and I have to go back and do it again. I have to go back and do it again. Okay, just be faithful to read some scripture. And what you'll find is that God will put that in your heart and put that in your mind. And he'll use it in your life in a way that he knows you need it. Okay. And then here's the last thing. Last thing. And we're done. The word of God. I'm gonna, I'll spell this word out for you. It's a big word. I'll spell it out and then I'll explain it to you. Okay. The word of God is efficacious. I'm going to spell that out. E-F-F. Because there's a bunch of people writing notes. E-F-F. I-C-A-C-I-O-U-S, E-F-F-I-C-A-C-I-O-U-S, efficacious. Here's what it means. It means that the Word of God is able to accomplish everything that God intends for it to accomplish. In other words, the Word of God never fails. It cannot fail. And another word that I like to use as kind of a, a synonym to that word is that the Word of God is potent. Whatever you apply it to, it it, it, it it has its desired and intended result. You guys know how Clorox works or, or some kind of bleach? If you take bleach and you get it too close to your face and you breathe it, man, it makes your eyes water. It'll damage your, I mean, like your sinus cavity. It's so potent, so strong that it, 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 it produces its intended result. You put bleach to something and it disinfects it, okay? So the Word of God is powerful and potent, and it can do what God intends for it to do. So when we're reading it, and we're listening to it, and we're responding to it, God's going to bring about His work in our lives through His Word. Listen, y'all, I'm just going to tell you right up front, not up front, 20 minutes, 24 minutes into the sermon, I'm going to tell you. So as we're closing out here, and this is not, a, this is not just to like be venting or ranting about 
people. I'm not being, I'm not being judgmental. But I'll, I'll dare say, and I don't, know, I don't know your church is good enough. I know your leaders from your churches. I know Brad really well. I know he loves the Word of God and he teaches the Word of God. But I know that, so, but I don't know your church, okay? I don't know, and I, I, I do know y'all's church a little better, probably. There's a history there, okay? And I know the Word of God is proclaimed at your church. But in the church in America, in general, the average Christian does not read his Bible, and it's just the stupidest thing in my mind. I can't comprehend it. I do not understand why anybody would call themselves a Christian and not read God's Word. It's crazy. It's like saying, I don't know why my marriage... I do, my wife and I do marriage counseling. You sit down and talk to somebody, I don't know why my marriage is just failing. Well, and pretty soon you realize they never talk to each other. I mean, I'm no, I'm no genius. Surprise, surprise. But I know that if two people do not communicate with each other, don't have conversation, then you're not going to have a very effective relationship. I'm a dumb jock, dumb. I'm an old athlete. We were having a cool conversation last night about uh, a couple of girls from Old Shooting Creek that play ball together. And one of the things that makes a, a, a sports team effective is, is when that team can communicate within, within the team unit, like when, when good communication is happening. So you take a team that communicates really well, and they may not be the better athletically than the team they're playing, but if they communicate and they work well together and teamwork is a part of it, then they can win games. Communication is critical in every part of your life. When you, one day when you get a job and you got a job, one of the things that you're going to have to be able to do is communicate well. Listen, God communicates to his people through his word, and yet for some reason American Christians ignore it. They don't read God's word. They don't read the Bible. They don't, read, they don't know their Bibles. You don't know it. It just kind of sits there, and then you pick it up. I, I'm, I, I, I got on this tear where I was like, it would be awesome if you just wore a Bible slap out about every, every five years and had to buy a new one. Wouldn't that be cool? If you just beat your Bible up, not beating it up like throwing it in the back seat of the truck and letting people stomp all over it, but I'm saying if you read it so much that you completely just, it was pages are falling out and you can't, and about every four or five years, you got to get a new Bible. That's pretty cool. But the average American Christian doesn't read their Bible. They just don't. And so the power and the, the efficacy of Scripture is not at work in their lives. If the Word of God can accomplish what God intends for it to accomplish, then if it's in my heart and in my mind, then God's going to accomplish so much more through my life. The Word of God's powerful. We'll close with some examples from Scripture that give a description of what the Word of God is. Listen to this. Images of Scripture in Scripture. The Bible is called a sword, a hammer, fire, rain, seed, bread. All of these things are pictures of what the Scripture is. Romans 10, 17 says the Word of God initiates faith. 1 Peter 1, 23 says the Word of God gives us life. 1 Peter 2, 2 says the Word of God grows us. John 17, 17 says the Word of God sanctifies us. That means makes us more like Jesus. Hebrews 4, 12 through 16 says the word of God searches and convicts our hearts. John 8, 31 says it sets us free. Psalm 119 says it refreshes and renews us. It's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. Word of God is what we need in our life. So if we're going to be effective as God's sons and daughters and as children of God, as, as people that as we 
close this weekend out where we've looked at worldview and having a strong biblical Christian worldview where we make a, an impact in our communities and in our world, we're going to have to have a, a passionate love for Scripture that grows in us. We're going to have to read God's Word. I wouldn't dare embarrass you and say, raise your hand if you read the Bible a lot. And we would probably not even be able to agree on what a lot means. But most Christians don't read their Bible. And it's the one thing you can do. You want to grow as a child of God? Begin to study the Scripture and read it and watch God grow you like crazy. Make it a faithful part of your day. So many people feel like start something strong, start well, and just kind of taper off. You know, I, I got a brother who's a, he's a, uh, he's a coach, but he also, he owns uh, a, a business, a second business. It's a CrossFit gym. And he's into this thing. You guys familiar with that? You've heard of it? And he's into it. I mean, he's like, I mean, he looks the part and he, and he's just, the things he can do athletically and physically are just impressive. But, but the, he's, he's into the nutrition side of it. Well, I'm just going to tell you, when we have these conversations, and I'm like, dude, I want you to train me, and so we'll start going, and then he's like, okay, let's go get lunch. And then he orders, and I'm like, oh, heck no. No, no, sir. I ain't eating that. Pa paleo what? Pa pa I'm not a caveman, all right? I'm a modern man. Last night, I got home and ate a piece of pumpkin pie with a big old hunk of Cool Whip on top of it, and a quart jar of whole milk. Got done and said, hmm, I think I'll do that again. <laughs> Hit rewind, play. <laughs> it was awesome. And I sat there eating my second piece of pumpkin pie, and down in my, I guess it was a, it wasn't a quart, it was a pint, so the two equaled a quart. I'm drinking my second pint of milk with my second piece of pumpkin pie, thinking, man, my brother's missing out on life, right? <laughs> it's like, it's not worth it, man. And, and, but the bottom line is, I mean, seriously, the bottom line is there have been times where I was like, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to do diligence here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, so I call him like, all right, man, help me out this week. What should I do? He said, just eat fruits and vegetables and cut out bread. And I'm like, heck No. He's like, no, no, but seriously, just try it for a week. I was like, all right, I'll do this, I'll do this. And then he said this, okay, you don't have to cut out bread, but just eat whole grain bread. Not whole wheat, but whole grain. And well, if you don't know what whole grain bread is, it's like white bread is goodness, wheat bread is nastiness, whole grain bread is punishment, okay? <laughs> if I'm going to eat a ham sandwich, it's going to be on white bread. I want it bleached and enriched. And he's... <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm talking to him and I realize I'm not willing to do this. I'm not willing to do what you do to look like you look or to be able to perform like you perform. I'm not willing to do it. And so many Christians, they want this Christian life that is X, Y, or Z. Specifically, I want to go to heaven when I die. But we're not willing to put in the work of studying God's word and telling people about Jesus and getting up in the morning and opening God's word and going to the Lord in prayer. It's not like a diet or exercise. It's so much more important, and it matters so much more. And so as you go home this weekend, I hope your takeaway is that, that you need to reach your friends with the gospel, but you need to be built up in Scripture in order to do that. And then you go study God's Word. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your Word, and thank you that it is something we can, we can see as a gift from you and recognize as a gift from you. We can study it, read it, learn it, 
be shaped by it, be changed by it. Help us to do that, Lord, we pray. And God, I pray for these students. They go home and they really impact their friends with the gospel. And people be changed because they know these guys. Lord, I pray if there's students here that still don't really know you, that as we come to the end of this weekend and we go to this last share group or on the van ride home or whatever, God, that that they would ask questions from their leaders or from snowbird leaders and and that they would make sure they understand the gospel and understand what it is to have a relationship with you. Thank you for an awesome weekend, God. Thank you for, for giving us, letting us see snow and, and, and play hard all day yesterday and worship you and learn from your word. And now, God, thank you for the beauty of, a, of another day you've created, a fall day where the leaves are in color. And, and uh, man, it's just awesome to be alive right now. And we thank you for that. And thank you for the joy of life. So please now help us go change your world. In Jesus' name, amen.